Hello and a very warm welcome to another James Hay Tech Talk, where we aim to give you the need to know information on the technical topics that matter. I'm Damien Smythe, Head of Strategic Accounts at James Hay, and in today's podcast we're talking about an issue that we know is of ongoing relevance for advisors and their clients. I'm talking of course about the annual allowance for pension contributions. To help us over the next 15 minutes or so, I'm joined by Ian Linden, Pensions Technical Manager at James Hay, who will guide us through the technical ins and outs of this subject. So firstly, Ian, hello and welcome. Hello, and I'm looking forward to this fireside chat, Damien. Likewise. So to kick off, the, the annual allowance has really only become a concern for some pension savers in the last eight or nine years. What, why do you think that is the case? Well, until the 2011-2012 tax year, the annual allowance was set at a pretty generous level. So in 2010-2011, it was possible to have pension savings of up to £255,000 in that year without incurring an annual allowance charge. Given that tax relief is one of the main drivers for the level of contributions made, particularly so for schemes that are not defined benefit arrangements, such largesse was a drain on the Treasury's coffers. That aspect, plus the need to balance the books after the financial crash, meant the Treasury had to get creative in the way they increased the tax take without increasing headline tax rates, which I would suggest would have been politically unacceptable at the time. So in 2011, Chancellor George Osborne took an axe to the annual allowance, reducing it from £255,000 to £50,000, whilst also reducing the lifetime allowance from £1.8 million to £1.5 million, with both being effective from the 6th of April 2012. And we haven't stopped there. In 2014, the annual allowance was further reduced to £40,000, and two years later, from the 6th of April 2016, we had the introduction of the tapered annual allowance. The latter originally limited high earners to as little as £10,000 in pension savings before there was the possibility of an annual allowance charge to pay. In this year's spring budget, things changed again for high earners. On the plus side, the point at which the tapering of the annual allowance kicks in has been raised to £240,000, partly due to pressure from the NHS doctors and the British Medical Association. The flip side, though, is that full tapering now takes the individual down to as little as £4,000 annual allowance from the previous minimum of £10,000. The maximum tapering affects those individuals with adjusted income of £312,000 or more. So there's been, there's been a lot of change, but £40,000 is the standard annual allowance. That's still pretty generous, isn't it? I mean, how many people are actually caught with an annual allowance charge? Yeah, well, when the £50,000 annual allowance was first applied in 2012, 5,570 individuals reported exceeding it that year. That figure jumped to £18,500 when the tapered annual allowance was introduced in 2016. And in the last Office of National Statistics figures that I could find, which was for 2017-2018, the numbers had increased to around 26,500 people. So we're not talking about hundreds of thousands of pension savers being effective. But it is a big enough issue that advisors and their clients need to be aware of the potential pitfalls that the annual allowance can present, especially for those with threshold income over £200,000 a year. 
Okay, so, so getting down to the nitty gritty of how the annual allowance works, we, we know it's designed to restrict the tax advantages of pension savings, but what, what type of pension schemes does it apply to? In simple terms, the annual allowance affects all members of any registered pension scheme, though it's worth pointing out that if the individual is over the age of 75, personal contributions don't count. In certain circumstances, it can also apply to individuals funding overseas pension schemes. In the main, if they or their company are enjoying any UK tax relief. It's important to emphasise that the annual allowance applies to both defined contribution arrangements, for example, SIPs and workplace money purchase schemes, and to defined benefit schemes, often referred to as final salary pensions. However, the way the amount of pension savings is tested against the annual allowance is calculated differently for each. So could you quickly explain the differences in the calculation for DC and, and DB schemes? Sure. For the likes of a SIP, such as James Hay offers, the total amount of gross contributions made by or on behalf of an individual over a tax year, i.e. from the 6th of April to the 5th of April the next tax year, are measured against their annual allowance. That includes contributions made by the member themselves, those by another individual on the member's behalf or by their employer if they have one. You add up the contributions into each arrangement the individual may have, then add all these together to give what's called the total pension input amount. Assuming the individual has threshold income of £200,000 or less and so isn't affected by the tapered annual allowance, if their total pension input amount is less than £40,000, then it's very likely they'll have nothing more to worry about. In the case of defined benefit schemes, the pension input amount isn't based on the actual contributions paid to the scheme. Instead, it's a notional amount based on the increase in the value of the member's benefits over the pension input period. A peculiarity of this approach for defined benefit arrangements is that in some instances, the pension input amount could be negative. If that is the case, then it's treated as being zero for that period. So for defined contribution and defined benefit pension schemes, two very different ways of calculating the input value for the annual allowance. So, so what if an individual is both an active member of a DB scheme and a DC scheme? The input values for both have to be added together to see if they've remained within the annual allowance. Is, is that correct? Absolutely, Damon. All relevant defined benefit and defined contribution pension input amounts have to be accounted for in that total pension input amount. Obviously, that means it's critical to be aware of all of a client's pension arrangements, even those long forgotten ones where they are still contributing the lengths of £20 a month. OK, so you, so you add up all of a client's relevant pension input amounts over the year and it looks like they're going to exceed their annual allowance. What, what options have they got? I, I take it this is where carry forward of unused allowance could come into play. Yep, you hit the nail on the head with that one there, Damien. Thank, thank you. So to mitigate the impact of the reduction in the annual allowance to £50,000 back in 2012, the legislation also introduced the ability to carry forward unused annual allowance from the previous three years. So provided an individual has used their current year's full annual allowance, they can consider the furthest back of the three preceding years to see if there is any unused annual allowance to carry forward. Then they look at the second furthest back year and finally the previous tax year. 
But remember, they can only carry forward unused annual allowance if they were a member of a registered pension scheme at some point in the tax years in question. And I'm guessing that carry forward is useful in particular for anyone with fluctuating earnings. Definitely. In the case of defined benefit schemes, for example, it can be beneficial when an employee has been promoted and has a significant increase in their pension input amount that takes them beyond their annual earnings. And in the defined contribution space, by way of an example, it's useful for business owners whose income or profits may vary from one year to the next. It's reassuring for individuals to know that if they don't make full use of their annual allowance one year, it hasn't disappeared altogether. It can still be used for up to a further three tax years. Okay, that's great. But, but let's say that even with carry forward and so on, a scheme member does exceed the annual allowance. What, what happens then? Well, the burden's on the pension scheme member to inform HMRC if they have exceeded their annual allowance, including any carry forward of unused annual allowance. If they're making use of their carry forward, and as a result, there's no liability for the annual allowance charge, then even though they have exceeded the annual allowance for that particular year, there is no requirement to tell HMRC. To reiterate, it's only where there is a charge to pay that HMRC need to be told. So if they have a charge to pay and they normally complete a self-assessment tax return, they'll need to complete the relevant details in their return. If the individual hasn't completed a tax return recently, they'll need to let HMRC know there has been a charge and a change in their circumstances and submit a return. And how's the annual allowance charge actually paid? As I said, it will normally be accounted for through the individual's tax return. It can then be paid to HMRC along with any other personal tax due in the usual way. However, if certain criteria are met, the individual can request that the scheme administrator pays the charge on their behalf. This is referred to as scheme pays. But in return for the scheme paying the charge, there must be a corresponding reduction in the member's pension benefits. And, and how is it actually calculated, the annual allowance, the charge? Um, well, the excess pension input amount, known as the chargeable amount, is simply added to the individual's taxable income and then taxed at their marginal rate. So if they're a 40% taxpayer and the excess was £10,000, that would be added to their total taxable income and a £4,000 tax charge would be payable. However, if the excess straddled tax bands, so for instance, it straddled the higher rate tax and additional rate tax bands, then the liability would be paid proportionately at 40% and 45%. And remember that Scottish tax rates are different. I won't comment. Um, that, that all sounds relatively straightforward so far. Um, now, I noticed some aspects of the legislation that we, we simply won't have time to go into here, but what, what other areas would you like to make people aware of? Yeah, the complexity of the tapered annual allowance is worthy of a podcast in itself. So hopefully we'll get round to doing one on that subject. But in the meantime, there are a number of written tech talks that cover off that particular subject matter in detail on the jamesa.co.uk technical hub. I'd also flag things like the money purchase annual allowance, which limits future funding for the likes of SIPs, once pension benefits start to be flexibly accessed. An example of this would be taking income from a flexi access drawdown fund. Also, when reviewing a client with fluctuating pension savings and determining whether they have any carry forward of unused annual allowance to work with, 
an advisor may have to go back as far as the 2015-2016 tax year to build an accurate picture of their situation. And bear in mind that in the 2015-2016 tax year, it was split into two mini tax years for annual allowance purposes. And the other thing to remember is that the tapered annual allowance points were different prior, prior rather to 2020-2021. If any of these issues affect your clients, then as I mentioned previously, please check out the relevant James Hay Tech Talks on our website. That's brilliant, Ian. Thank you. Um, I mean, we've got you on the podcast. Do you, do you have any uh, parting words of wisdom for advisors on the issue of annual allowance? Um, yeah, firstly, take a deep breath before diving into what could be a complex annual allowance scenario for your client. Secondly, remember the various trigger points that may mean your client isn't entitled to what could be referred to as the full annual allowance of £40,000. Also, understanding the way in which the pension input amounts are calculated for different types of arrangements is critical. I've come across situations with defined benefit schemes where the member has been led to believe that it's simply a case of adding up the monetary amounts of their and their employer's contributions, which, as we have explained previously, is not the case. And remember, the government might not have finished tinkering with pensions yet, so stay alert. Thank you. Wise words as ever, Ian. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really, really appreciate it. Um, and if anyone listening has any thoughts or queries about the annual allowance, please don't hesitate to get in touch. You can contact us through your normal routes or email us at events at jameshay.co.uk. In the meantime, we hope you've enjoyed this podcast and look forward to you joining us for the next James Hay Tech Talk. Thank you very much. 